knit. Um, and so I'm particularly grateful to you because it's a horrible reading to give someone at the last minute. And you did a brilliant job, so thank you for that. Uh, good evening, everybody. As I've said already, my name's Adam. Uh, uh, you should know that, hopefully. Um, we're going to be a bit different as, as far as talks go uh, this evening um, in that uh, normally you might expect what we might call a preach. Uh, and I will do a bit of that. Uh, mostly we'll be going through the Hearing God's Voice material, which is a little bit more teaching than preaching. Uh, I don't make any apology uh, for that, but just uh, because it's living free and we've come to the point in the course where we think about practically what the things we've been thinking about over the last four or five weeks look like in our lives and how we can uh, deal with that. Of course, we've been thinking first and foremost about the reality of the two realms, uh, what God's original design was for his creation. Uh, uh, Stuart came to talk to us about what authority should look like being under God's authority. Uh, and the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about our own identity and having what having authority means for our own identity. If you were here last week, uh, you'd have heard me talk about strongholds. Uh, these are things that get in the way of our identity with God. Uh, they often get in the way of us hearing from God. Uh, they often get in the way of us living fully as his children. And I said last week that for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at different strongholds uh, each week. Last week, we looked at rejection. Uh, as I prayed to prepare for this evening, um, fear was the stronghold that I thought that I needed to, to bring along to you, to not be afraid to bring. Um, and you should have a sheet, as I say, that looks like that. It's, uh, this is one of the restoration worksheets uh, that I talked about last week. If you remember, I said uh, this actual document that has all of these in is over 120 pages long, I think. It's a large document um, and various strongholds are named in them. You'll note at the bottom, bottom left-hand side, it says 2008 Christchurch Fulham. It's a PDF. I can't edit it and it's not my words. Uh, and so there is a couple of times where I would use slightly different language in these sheets uh, to what they use in Fulham. I have read through it. I am happy with it, uh, but just be aware of that. It's not my real intention to go through this this evening. So those of you who've looked at the uh, nine pages or ten pages of notes that you've got for this evening and gone, we're going to be here for three hours. Uh, that's not the case. It's not my intention to do that. Uh, I do want you to take that home with you and to commit to praying through it this week. Uh, I think I've, uh, the Lord pointed me to fear uh, because I think fear is one of the main stumbling blocks when we come to hearing God speak to us. Often fear uh, gets in the way, tells us that we're going to be anxious about getting it wrong, or, or fear can make us feel worried about what other people will think if we share what we think God has said to us. It's a whole host of all those sorts of things within this fear worksheet, uh, and I would really encourage you, if either of those or any of the other things that are on the checklists ring a bell to you, uh, to work through that, potentially before you do the stuff from the Hearing God's Voice stuff that we'll do tonight. We're also going to look at that passage um, that Annabella's just read uh, in a moment as well. Before we do that, I'd love to pray for us, uh, particularly on this um, subject of fear, that we wouldn't be fearful people. God's biggest, uh, the main commandment through scripture is that we are to not fear, but to trust God. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that throughout scripture, you command us not to fear the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This evening, as we look at what it means to know you speaking to us, to know you at work in our lives more intimately, 
Lord, we pray uh, forgiveness for any fear that we have felt. We ask you to bind up any work of the evil one that would seek to bring fear into our lives. And we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear you at work this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So to our passage then from Acts, why did, we choose, why did I choose this passage uh, and change into this passage at the last uh, minute for this evening? Well, there's a few reasons. Uh, if you're not already aware, today is Pentecost. Uh, it is the day that we as a church celebrate the events that we see happening uh, in uh, this passage uh, that we had read to us a little earlier. This is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit amongst the church. It's the birth of the church, uh, the Christian church. Pentecost is an event happened well before this event, but it's the Pentecost is when we celebrate these events we read in Acts. And the Holy Spirit moved so powerfully among those disciples, as we just heard read, some people thought that they were drunk. Uh, that's how, how differently they were acting to the rest of normality. And Peter correctly tells them they are not drunk. It is only in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and he reads to them correctly from this uh, passage from Joel, from the prophet Joel. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Some key things in there. First of all, in the last days. We are, saints today, in those last days. Those last days started at the point when Jesus ascended to his throne. They will end at the point when he returns that we read in Revelation. Until that point, and no one knows when that point is, we are in those last days. It goes on, in those last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. It does not say, for a few of those last days, I will pour out a bit of my spirit on some people. It says, in those last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And I wanted to start with this passage this evening uh, because it, this vision that we see of the church here in Acts is God's vision for his church today. You may have heard of Pentecostals in your time uh, as a Christian. It is a development, it is a part of the church, but at last count, about 12.5% of Christians count themselves as Pentecostals, similar to some calling themselves Anglicans, some calling themselves uh, Catholics. If you've not heard of that, you may know that we here consider ourselves a charismatic church. Uh, we're a conservative church, yes, meaning that we hold to Scripture, but we're a charismatic church, meaning that we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well amongst us today. To all intents and purposes, uh, those two things are the same thing. Pentecostalism, charismaticness is the same thing. There are some differences, but as far as we're concerned for the sake of this evening, they are pretty much the same thing. I'm studying a master's in Pentecostal and charismatic theology. Trust me, I know they are pretty much the same thing. At the start of every essay I write, for the purpose of this essay, when I refer to one, I mean the other. Um, and so they are pretty much the same thing. Now, 
there are part, Pentecostalism has been a movement over the last hundred years or so. And someone who isn't here um, but comes to this service fairly regularly uh, said to me not that long ago, Adam, I was watching an American preacher on YouTube the other day. It's always my favorite start to a sentence, by the way, watching an American preacher on YouTube. Great. Uh, it's not that there are some great American preachers on YouTube, just to be clear, but this was a particularly fun sentiment. And he said, this person said that because Pentecostalism's only been around for a hundred years, we shouldn't take anything that Pentecostals or Charismatics say seriously. It's not true. Uh, and actually, uh, they are charlatans and heretics. What do you think about that statement, Adam? Well, he chose the right person because of the degree that I'm doing. Um, and Pentecostalism has the, the movement, the the denomination, if you will, they're not a denomination, but if they were, the denomination of Pentecostalism has been around for about 100 years. It started, some say, in Southern America. However, the Spirit of God, which underpins Pentecostalism, has been alive and well in the church for the whole of the last 2,000 years. If you read the writings of um, Augustine or Arrhenius, the early church fathers writing in about 300 AD, they talk about seeing God healing, they talk about hearing God speak, they talk about speaking in tongues. In 1000 AD, uh, so 1000 years ago, just over, 1019 years ago, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, wrote to every church in the world and said uh, that if somebody presents themselves in, their ch in your church claiming to speak prophecy, claiming to have healed, uh, exhibiting shaking or speaking in tongues, they are to be presumed possessed by an evil spirit and to be excommunicated accordingly. A thousand years ago, just over. Why did he say that? Because there were sections of the church who were speaking words of prophecy, who were seeing people healed, who were speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God was alive and well a thousand years ago as it was 300, in 350 AD. Even Luther, who built a theology on an understanding that the Spirit of God was just for the, um, for the apostles, found himself in his latter years at the bedside of a very close friend who was near death, praying for God to intervene, and that person was miraculously healed. The Spirit of God has been at work throughout the church throughout the last 2,000 years. It is not the case that we've just been thinking it's okay for the last 100 years or so. So why is it that we've got this section of the church perhaps that think that that is the case? Well, that's the subject of a dissertation. Uh, it may well be because of my dissertation. Who knows? Um, but it's uh, essentially, um, it's because it started when Constantine, who you may know about, uh, Roman Empire or, um, Emperor, was converted to Christianity. And following that, Christianity became the faith of the Roman Empire. As a result of that, Christianity faced opposition from the scientific world, from the scientific mind, and from secularization. And ever since that moment until today, the church has been diluting the gospel, diluting what we see in scripture in order that we might have the most appeal to the most amount of people. It is a danger when we dilute the gospel. We are called, saints, to be different. We are called to be in the world, not of the world. And there is no point in scripture that says that the Spirit of God was for 30 years or so after Jesus uh, reigned. The Spirit of God is available to us. We will know the work of the Spirit at work more and more in our lives, but the more we become as intimately uh, know, to become to know the work of the Holy Spirit intimately in our lives. 
the first and foremost thing that we need to do is to have a proper understanding of what it is to hear God speak. I have a phrase that I've nicked from someone and I can't find out who it was. So I'm claiming no no copyright, um, but it's a great phrase. Hearing God speak should be our expectation, not our exception. Hearing God speak should be our expectation and not our exception. Just have a second to think for yourself whether hearing God speak in your life is your current expectation or your exception when I get a sip of water. Why do I say that? Well, uh, Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father. He heard the Father speaking to him perfectly. And he says in John's Gospel, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. They will do greater things than these uh, because I am going to the Father. Side note, the word greater there uh, means have wider impact, not that necessarily we will heal more people than Jesus healed or anything else. Uh, but we are to do the works that Jesus has been doing. He says, uh, we are, it says in, Paul says in Corinthians, we are to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We'll come back to this a little bit later. Uh, but especially prophecy, because the gifts of the Spirit all flow out of being able to hear God speak to us and to have a proper understanding of his authority in our life. Jesus again in John's gospel, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. The only prerequisite we need, the only qualification we need to be able to hear God speak to us is to be his sheep, to be his followers. That's all that we need. Now, if, you, if you've switched off, then uh, wake up again, uh, because the, fir- the most important thing I will say this evening is that the main way that God speaks to us is through this, through his Bible. This is what we call the always word of God. God will often speak to us through a now word, and I'll come to those in a moment, but a now word can never be a contrary to an always word of God. God can, I do, if, if I think God has told me to go and rob a bank, that is contrary, I wouldn't be very good at it anyway, but it was contrary to his always word. Let me repeat that because it's really important. God's now word can never be contrary to his always word. Okay. Now, of course, some of God's always, now words are not actually in Scripture. I'll tell you how in a moment, but God told me that I was going to marry Jess. It does not say in uh, James chapter 4 verse 2, and Adam Tams shall be on the earth in 2019 and shall marry Jessica Hall, who shall become known as Jessica Tams. It doesn't say that. However, marriage between a man and a woman is in here. God longs for us to be in relationship with one another. It is not against God's word that I should marry Jess. I hope not anyway, because I already have. Um, So (laughs) it's a bit late if she is. It is not against his word. It was his will for us to be married. Now, God speaks through Scripture in a number of ways. Uh, the most common way that I find, I don't know how many of you have a quiet time with Scripture or are doing the Bible in a year, um, I often find that when I sit before a Scripture and read it and properly read it, uh, God will speak to me through that Scripture, either for what's something going on in my life or something going on uh, for somebody else. God will use, bring Scripture alive for us uh, if we read it uh, properly. 
Uh, I want to just do a quick uh, moment to yourself. Um, there are three lines here at the bottom of page one. Those of you who have already done Living Free, I would love you to do this definitely because uh, I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, all of you should be doing this. The first one, I want you to score yourself out of 10 for how often you hear God speak to you through Scripture. So how often does, as I just explained, ha happen to you? So you may be reading a passage of Scripture and go, oh, I think that might be relevant for me today or might be relevant for somebody else. Or maybe uh, you're praying for somebody and a birth of Scripture comes to you. Naught to 10. By the way, sorry, if you've already scored yourself, this is going to upset you. Uh, 10 is Jesus in all of these cases, just to give you some relevance. Uh, uh, on this. Ten is, Jesus is perfect in all of these, so um, in all things, but in this particularly. Uh, so yeah, so that's the first one. And the second two are thinking about, before we move on to this, now words of God. So this might be through any other way that God might speak to you. How regularly do you hear God speak to you? And how specific uh, are those words. And so if on one occasion you had a vague sense that something was not quite right, on one occasion, that's not very regular and it's not very specific. If, this, if, if 20 minutes ago uh, you saw a picture of somebody who you know was called Brenda and she's got a broken second bone in her right left toe, uh, that's very specific uh, and very regular probably. Uh, if there's a Brenda here with a foot hurting foot, we'll pray for you at the end. Um, but uh, just, just mark yourself again out of 10 for those two regularity and specific. Just get another spink of water. You can either do it in pen or you can just do it in your mind and do it later. Marvellous. Why do I get you to do that? It's really helpful, and one of the things that's really helpful when we start to hear God speak is to keep a journal of the things that we sense him saying to us. Another thing is to just keep an eye on how we are doing. Ten years ago, I would have been firmly in the camp of the Holy Spirit does not, uh, is not at work in the church today uh, and does not speak to us anymore. I would have been a zero uh, for all of those. I won't tell you where I think I am today, uh, mostly because I haven't scored it in the last few minutes, um, but... It's more than zero, let's put it that way, uh, at least. And you will see, if you do this regularly, that's why I was interested for those that have done Living Free with us already, uh, you should hopefully see yourself moving along those lines as we become, get to know Jesus more, as we become more like Jesus, we'll move towards the tens uh, that he is. Just want to speak briefly um, to those who think have, they've perhaps never heard God speak to them before, and a way to get involved in to do this for the first time. As I've already said, Scripture uh, is the most important thing that we need to get to know, and so we need to allow ourselves time to come before Scripture, come before God in Scripture, to read our Bible each and every day. As we were praying before uh, the service, somebody had a picture um, of somebody on their phone. And actually, the, the idea was that perhaps the blockage to some people, maybe one person, maybe more than one person, hearing God speak is actually our technology. Technology is wonderful. We can all have Bibles in our pockets as a result of it. However, it is also incredibly distracting and incredibly um, moving our eyes away from God. I implore you to buy an actual Bible if you don't already have one, rather than using your phone. Sitting before God without any other distraction is really key. 
to do this every day, to find a space. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning. You are no more holy for waking up and praying at 6 a.m. than you are for praying at 6 p.m. Whatever time works best for you, but find a time that you can set aside uh, to pray and to read scripture. As I said already, keep a journal, write things down. Even if they feel like they're really weird and wacky, write them down. It may be that the Lord uses them in the future. And make the most of these times that you have alone. In my, I have, I give myself a half a day each week. I have a, and a smaller time in the, in each day. But every week, I have half, um, half a day where I just pray. It's one of my joys of being a vicar is I get paid to pray, um, and uh, it's glorious. But it, the weeks when I have allowed other things to take that space out of my diary have not been good weeks at all. Keep those times special and uh, close. Just a, another word also for those of you who are thinking, oh yeah, but not everyone's called to be prophetic, Adam. Um, uh, well, if that is the thought that's going through your head, well done. Um, it, isn't, it is true that not everybody is called to be a prophet. However, there is a difference between being a prophet and having the gift of prophecy. In the same way that not everyone is called to be a, an evangelist, but... Everyone has, uh, is called to share their faith and to be uh, a witness to the world. In the same way, not everyone is called to pastoral care. doesn't mean we can all, the rest of us, walk past people who are in need. In the same way, there is an office of prophet, and those people have a particular anointing in the prophetic. However, we are all called, as it said in Corinthians, to eagerly desire the gift of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We're all called uh, to grow in this. What's the point of prophecy? Well, it, um, it glorifies Jesus, this verse from Revelation, and it is, as it says in Corinthians, uh, to speak for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And we'll come back to this uh, again at the end uh, when we talk about testing. But it's really important, particularly in the early days of hearing God speak, is, is this, for, this thing that I just think I've heard God say to me, is it strengthening, is it encouraging, and is it comforting? Now, of course, those of you who are doing Bible in a year will know that this week we've read um, about uh, David, who sat with Bathsheba, uh, and uh, that was called out uh, by someone else in Scripture, um, and uh, that sin was prophetically discerned. I'm not sure that David would have counted that as comforting um, or encouraging on that occasion. It was for his strengthening, his encouragement and comfort, but it was very difficult. What I would say is that the occasions when that happened are so unbelievably rare uh, that actually we, we need to grow in uh, hearing God speak for our strengthening, our encouragement and our comfort before we move to anything else. I hope that helps uh, on that one. I'll come back to that in a minute, as I say. How do we hear God speak? Primarily, as I say, through Scripture, the voice of God will speak, who will speak to us in lots of different ways. Now, I would like you to do me a favour, and I promise I'm not going to do anything odd, but would you just close your eyes for a moment for me. I'm going to say a word in a second, and what I want you to do is to take note of what happens in your brain when I say that word. The word is ice cream, surprisingly. 
Okay, you can open your eyes. There is nothing prophetic about ice cream, just to be, make me like, very clear for the benefit of the tape. Nothing prophetic about ice cream at all. Some of you, when I said that word ice cream, will have been able to see an ice cream in their imagination. Some of you may have seen the words ice cream. Some of you will have been able to see the detail of both your ice cream and the person you were talking to and the flavors that they were a moment ago. Some of you may have been able to smell or to taste uh, that ice cream. That is possible. God will use all of our senses uh, in order to speak to us. He will also speak to us through the still, small voice. One of my favorite passages of scripture is this with Elisha in 1 Kings. The Lord said to Elisha, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. It was a gentle whisper. I often describe the voice of God, more often than not, as a thought that we have that we didn't know that we would have. A thought that we didn't know that we would have. God's voice will often and occasionally sound similar to our voice until we learn to discern the difference uh, in our thoughts. Similarly with our pictures. I've written here at the top of page three different things that we might expect when we um, hear God speak to us. We might see uh, him at work. As I say, if you saw that. Interestingly, um, until about five years ago, I had a condition that will affect about one in ten of you here, uh, whereby you had, I literally had no imagination. It didn't mean that I had no vision. It just meant I could close my eyes in school when people would say, close your eyes and think of this. Uh, I just wouldn't see anything at all. It's a condition that affects about one in ten people. Uh, and uh, Helen Perriman, who's somewhere there she is at the back, uh, had it. She's written the name of it down and I've forgotten it, but you can ask me or Helen afterwards uh, and we'll tell you about it. I say until five years ago because I happened to mention that to Stuart who came a few weeks ago just in passing and he went oh that sounds like something we should pray for Um, and so he prayed for me which was glorious Uh, and in fact uh, I was healed of that there and then. Uh, One of the best things about it is that actually God uses pictures now more than anything else when he speaks to me Uh, and I don't still have an imagination for things so when I said ice cream I couldn't see an ice cream but if if God wanted to see me, me to see an ice cream I would. Does that make sense? So God uses pictures and visions for me uh, to be able to hear him and hear a now word. Sometimes we feel it, and I've been along on these things, but uh, often, occasionally in prayer times, somebody will suddenly, when we're praying, get a, fe- a pain maybe in a knee or in their back, and it's perhaps the Lord just pointing that area out and saying he wants to, to do some healing work for somebody on that. As I say, we hear it most often through this still, small voice, the thoughts that we didn't know were our thoughts. Occasionally, uh, we will hear the audible voice of God. It's rare, but it happens. It's happened twice in my life. Uh, The first time, um, uh, many of you may know this story already, uh, but the very first time I was um, supposed to try and go, I had not been at church for a very long time. I tried to go to two different churches. Both of them were closed for various reasons, and so I went home and had a bath, because that's what I do on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, just an insight into my life. And uh, <laughs> it's a glorious idea. I, I thoroughly recommend it to you. Um, I was in the house on my own having a bath and I heard a voice, the audible voice of God say seven words, nevertheless you will go to church today. 
seven words, six years, seven words or six years, words, nevertheless, you will go to church today. It was a result of me hearing that, that I got out of the bath, made sure there was no one in the house. There wasn't, it was God. Um, uh, I then found a church that I went to that evening, and uh, that is the beginning of the story of why I'm stood here as a, as a priest uh, to, in front of you uh, this evening. Because uh, God spoke audibly on that occasion. It's only, as I say, one of two uh, occasions. Sometimes we will know things. We call it knowing in our knower. I said earlier that um, God told me that I was going to marry Jess um, when I met her. In fact, uh, I remember the day, the 8th of August 2011, uh, she rang the office doorbell of the office that I was working in. I opened the door, and in my knower, I knew this was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I knew that this was the woman I was going to marry. I can't tell you why I knew that. I just did. I let, so much so that I put her into our waiting room, went and sat at my desk and went, okay, that's a bit weird. I then went back into the room and went, no, no, it's definitely right. It is definitely right. <laughs> I just knew in my knower. Very occasionally that happens. Very occasionally we can speak words of prophecy. I've undenied about telling you this story, and um, I'm going to anyway, and you can take it with a pinch of salt if you want to, about... Oh, Six months ago, probably five months ago, I was sat at the end of an evening service here on the step with um, Katie and Tim and Rob Shakaluga. And Katie and Tim had just told uh, me that they were having a baby. Uh, and, uh, and we were talking about this with them. And they said, we're not going to tell anyone what the gender of the baby is. We'll find out ourselves, but we're not going to tell anyone. And I sort of jokingly said, it's all right, I'll ask God. Uh, and Katie said, in the accusatory way that she sometimes does with me, go on then. <laughs> And without thinking, I said, girl. And I, I can tell you they have a girl, Charlotte. She's beautiful. Um, I went home. I didn't make much of a deal of it there. I went home and said to Jess, this is because it's only one of two occasions that's happened in my life. I knew that the word that came out of my mouth was not my word. It was a word that had come from God. And it has proven to be correct. So much so that uh, six weeks before she was born, we bought clothes, girls' clothes for her because I knew that they were having a girl, even though they hadn't told us uh, that. As I say, take it with a pinch of salt. There's a 50-50 chance, of course. Um, uh, on, on that one. Uh, there has been another occasion, I won't tell you that now, if you've been to Living Free, you'll have heard that one, um, and I can tell you another time if you'd like. Sometimes we speak words that we don't know where they come from. It says, don't worry about what you will say, trust the Lord, he will give you the words to say. I want to talk just briefly um, about sometimes not seeing the whole of the picture uh, and sometimes God speaking in riddles. I put this passage here uh, from Numbers chapter 12. Uh, when there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Uh, this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. When I speak to him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. Uh, you can infer from that passage that therefore he does speak in riddles to others. Um, it, it, there is an argument that maybe he doesn't do that because this is pre-Pentecost and we're now post-Pentecost. But Paul follows on from this in Corinthians and says, For now we see only a reflection as a mirror, then we shall see face to face. For now we know in part, then we shall know fully, as I am even fully known. Why is it that God doesn't always reveal to us the clear picture, speaks to us, and just we wake up in the morning and go, right, these are your directions for the day, Adam. These are the people you're going to meet. These are the things you need to say. Why does that not happen? Well, a number of reasons. Uh, firstly, because I think it builds our trust and builds our relationship and our intimacy uh, with God. 
Also because we are his friends. It said in that first passage, I'm not entirely sure I, I read it, um, John 15 on the front page there, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. If we woke up in the morning and downloaded our instructions for the day, would we be friends or would we be servants? Would we be trusting in God for the next stage of our life or would we just be going about doing everything as, uh, as pigeon fashion perhaps? Prophecy begins often with revelation. It's okay for us to, to wait on that revelation and to see if there's anything else that the Lord wants to speak to us about. But he may not do Yesterday, uh, half a dozen or twelve or so, ten or twelve or so people went and did some treasure hunting in the church, from the church. Uh, before that, we spent half an hour or so praying and asking the Lord to show us various pictures uh, of things. They saw pictures of people's scarves or their shoes. They didn't necessarily know why it was uh, that the Lord wanted them to approach those people, but they knew something of them before they went uh, to pray for them. Great thing. I'd love us to do more of that as a church. Now, it's important when we hear God speak uh, that we test it, uh, because if particularly if it's a thought uh, or a picture, how do we know it's not our thought or our picture? It's important that we test it. We can do that in a number of ways. The primary way, I'm saying it again, does it contradict what's in here, the always word of God? If it does, it is not uh, a now word of God you have misheard. If it contradicts an always word. Does it strengthen? Does it encourage? Does it comfort? Before you talk to other people about it, particularly if it's for someone else, does it do those things? And also the other thing which I've developed over the last year or so for myself is allowing things to settle, particularly bigger things in life. Um, a little while ago, I spent one of my mornings in prayer and I sensed the Lord telling me something uh, for my future. And... Um, uh, it's okay, by the way, the story is about me getting it wrong, so it does, it's all right for getting things wrong from time to time. Um, I sensed him saying something to me about my future. I was very clear that that's what he'd said. And I had, that afternoon, a meeting with two people um, who uh, would be instrumental in that. And so I went to that meeting and went, I prayed this morning. This is what I've sensed God say to me about my future. I just wanted to let you know that. Is that all right? And they said, yeah, of course. And they prayed for me and everything else. It's great. That, as, I, as the week went on, something inside me didn't settle. God can often speak to us through our peace. And I, I was fairly convinced that actually, by the, about four or five days in, I was like, actually, I'm not convinced that was what God was saying to me about that particular thing. So much so that I then went back to those two people and said, I'm really sorry, I got it wrong. Uh, I'm not sure that God was saying that to me on this occasion. Um, it's okay for us to get it wrong, particularly when it's about our own lives. It's okay for us to do it. If we don't try, um, we won't ever get it wrong. Um, but if we should, we should push in and to try and hear God speak to us more. Peace is one of the ways Jonathan will say that God speaks to him most through Scripture. Peace is the second way that Jonathan hears God speak to him. He will not do something unless he feels peace about it. If you've ever been frustrated that Jonathan hasn't done something, I don't think it counts with emails, uh, but it, as far as uh, things going on, if you've ever been concerned about something not happening, that you've wondered why it's not happened, it's because Jonathan doesn't do it until he gets peace about it. There is a mark of his character that he will not do it until he feels peace. And it's a joy to serve in this place because of that. Now, just a note about sharing prophetic words for other people. 
I think. Um, One of my favorite stories of all time, sorry if you've heard this before, Uh, there was a church service going on, a Pentecostal church service, and the minister in charge said, right, we're just going to have some quiet, and we're going to let the Lord speak to us. If anyone has the Lord, here's the Lord speak, then speak out loud. After a couple of minutes, a lady stood up, and she said, thus says the Lord, just as Moses took the animals off the ark, I will lead you out of this church. And she sat down again. And everybody was going, oh, Moses, I'm sure it was Noah, wasn't it? It was Moses, was it? 30 seconds went by. She stood up again and went, thus says the Lord. It was not Moses, it was Noah. I was mistaken. <laughs> now, I love that story for a number of reasons. One, because I just think it's glorious. Um, secondly, because actually it makes me a little bit sad, if I'm honest. Because what I suspect happened with that lady is that she saw a picture of her church being led two by two out into the town and impacting uh, the town that they lived in. But because she had said, A, thus says the Lord, and B, got it wrong, the validity of that picture is lost, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea. So when we approach somebody, particularly if we're approaching somebody with um, something that's for them, we need to be really, really careful. I never, never say, thus says the Lord, for goodness sake. <laughs> say, I think the Lord might have said this to me, but it's for you to do these tests with. And we need to practice, as I say. Practice makes perfect in all of these things. Uh, I've written a word about binding and loosing on the back there. Um, I'm going to talk about this considerably more next week. It'll be a bit of a focus of next week. Um, Just to say that we are able, it says in Matthew, that we are able to bind the work of the evil one. We've said that already. We can trample on snakes. And we should, before we ask the Lord to speak to us, bind up the work of the evil one from distracting us. I've written a very simple prayer there, just asking the Lord to bind up the work of the evil one, to stop him from distracting us or to giving us false things that we might hear. I'm not going to spend any any more time than that on it, because what I'd really love us to do is to do a little bit of practice. If you turn to the back sheet, don't worry, I'm not going to get you to talk to anyone else, for those of you who have just had slight heart palpitations. Um, If you turn to the back sheet, there are 10 verses of Scripture there. Now, all of these things are promises of Scripture. They are all true of every single one of us here. It may be true that one of these verses of Scripture is true more so for us today, or at least more relevant to us today, than one of the others. Now, I've not given them anybody any warning of this. Tony, I hope that's all right. I'm just, uh, Tony sat over here. He's a lovely man. Just give us a wave, Tony. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for Tony. Just give me a minute. Father well, God, I thank you for Tony. Lord, you speak to me now. Uh, Lord, Tony, I believe that the Lord has just pointed me to number four for you, so maybe you want to pray about that at some point. Now, what's just happened there is I've just spent a moment praying for Tony and asking him to speak to me. Two, of the, two, two things have either happened in the reality, in what's going on physically. Either I have just heard the Lord tell me number four is for Tony, and I've just shared that with him, or I have misheard, and Tony, the Lord has not just told me that for Tony. One of those two things are true. We'll agree with that. Either I have heard or I have misheard. However, because it is scripture, it is still true for Tony. I could have said any one of those 10, it would still be true. So it is not a problem for me to say that to him. Um, I hope you don't mind. I haven't asked him for permission for doing that. I'm sure he won't. Um, 
So it's, when we're using scripture for God to speak to us, we don't need to spend too long on the other tests uh, that we talked about a moment ago uh, to testing the prophecy. What I'd love us to do is to have a moment or two of silence. I'm going to use an exercise that they use sometimes uh, in, um, in concentrating on breathing and enable us, hopefully, to hear God speak. And what I'd like him to do is to speak to each of us about one of these ten verses of scripture. Let's do that first and foremost. So let's, um, let's, first of all, I'll pray, and then I'll tell us what we're going to do. So, Lord, we do thank you that you speak to us, that hearing you speak should be our expectation and not our exception. And we bind up any work of the evil one, anything of the flesh that would come against us, hearing your voice now. And we say, Lord, would you speak for your servants are listening? Now, I'm going to do an exercise of listening with you. The first thing I'd like you to do is to concentrate on the world outside of this building. And listen, if you can, uh, for any traffic or any noise that happens outside the building. Now, normally when I do this, there is no traffic, no birds, everything is silent. But we'll just listen and see whether we can hear anything outside of the building, not inside the building together. matter that there wasn't anything because the point is about your direction of your hearing so now we're going to do what's in the building so just listen for anything that you might hear in the building try to block out the stuff outside of the building to try and listen to God and so just in this next moment of silence perhaps look at these verses see whether one of them particularly speaks to you and ask the Lord to speak afresh so Lord we ask would you speak to us afresh your servants are listening doesn't need to take very long. I'm going to do something slightly differently um, now. 
the Lord can speak to us through a humongous arrangement of things. Uh, we have a couple of people who are going to come and um, uh, perform a dance for us. It might be that the Lord speaks to you through this dance. It might be that the Lord will not speak to you through this dance. And if that's the case, continue just in the quiet with the music to read through the scripture. What will happen once the music...